In our passage this morning, there is one of the most powerful promises in all of Scripture. And you see, I think sometimes we've heard this, if you've grown up in the church, these two verses quite a bit. And so maybe it's lost its effect. But I want you to know that verse 7 has one of the most, I mean, profoundly powerful promises in all of Scripture. Because it says this, that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You see, the promise is in Christ, there is a peace that is possible when life does not make sense. Because, let's think about it. What is peace when everything is understandable? When everything in your life circumstantially is in line, there are no real big things going on that you need to worry about, then obviously peace is possible, right? Yes? But the promise here is that when life is falling apart, when it's fragmented, when it doesn't make sense, in God, peace is possible. Do you believe that? Amen? Okay, we're having trouble this morning. Uh, I felt that with the kids, I thought it was just the kids, but I think it's us, okay? Um, do you believe that? That even when life seems to suck and go down, and you start feeling the hurt and the pain, that in God, peace is possible. Amen? Amen. So this passage brings us to two simple things. One that we shouldn't do, and the other that we absolutely need to do, to try to garner and to grasp this peace that surpasses all understanding. And so that's where we're headed. And let me just tell you something. We could all use a little bit more peace in our lives. And so I hope that you would really take to heart what the Word of God has for us this morning. Because it's simple. And yet I believe that if we start to really do these two things, it'll radically change our lives. So the two things are really simple. It comes from verse 6. That we aren't to, first of all, not worry about anything that's uh, kind of the negative part, right? Don't do. But what are we to do, which is to pray about everything, okay? So let's look at verse 6. It says this, do not be anxious or worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, it's straightforward here, but I believe in the church, one of the things that's happening, and it's, it's a big concern, is that we are allowing worry a little bit more into our lives and being okay with it, and we are being okay with having less and less prayer in our lives. While it should be the complete opposite. While we should be fighting against worry and anxiousness and not allowing it in, and allowing more and more time for prayer. You know, Paul tells the church, do not be anxious or worry about anything. Isn't that crazy? Because... I don't know about you, but uh, our natural tendency is that if you live this life, that there are worries and concerns that come up, right? And I'm not going to ask if you're a worrier, but if you are, we worry about all sorts of things. Uh, you know, being a dad, you know, I, I worry about my kids quite a bit. The safety. Uh, I found this little picture on the internet. I thought it was funny. It's like overprotective dad and what he worries about. <laughs> and uh, he put this in the car. And you know, let's just be honest, this is some of us. 
there was the Huffington Post, and they did this big research with uh, one of their writers, DJ Gowie, and he's actually one of the gurus in stress management. And this is, they gathered all this information on stress, anxiety, and worry, and this is kind of what they came up with. This is a quote, it says this, it turns out that 85% of what subjects worried about never happened. And with the 15% that did happen, 79% of subjects discovered either they could handle the difficulty better than expected, or the difficulty taught them a lesson worth learning. This means that 97% of what you worry over is not much more than a fearful mind punishing you with exaggerations and misperceptions. And you see, you know this. Because you felt this, have you not? But you know what's crazy about this passage? Is that what Paul is literally saying here is, even in the 3% of the legitimate concerns, don't be anxious or worry. That's the crazy part about this passage. He's saying, don't be anxious about anything. He's not saying, oh, you know that stuff that you just kind of imagine up? Yeah, don't worry about that. But the legitimate stuff, yeah, go ahead. Go to town. No. He's literally saying in all of life, don't be anxious. See, what's fitting about this is if anyone had reason to be anxious, it was the Apostle Paul. Because currently, as he's writing Philippians, where is he? Anyone? He's in prison. And he's awaiting trial. Possibly, his outcome most likely will be execution. And so this is a man that should be anxious or be worried. And yet, in light of his current circumstance, he's able to tell the church, in anything, don't worry. Now, I want to pause real quick right there. Uh, on faithit.com, there was an article titled, if you could shoot that up, Nine Sins the Church is Okay With. Okay? And one of the nine is worry. Because some have thought of worry as a universal addiction, and so now it's gotten to the point, this article mentions, that in the church, we get annoyed when people tell us not to worry. It's like, yeah, easier said than done, pastor. Is this not true? This is what they say. At the core, it feels like the person who is telling you not to worry is the one who doesn't fully comprehend the problem. Because if they did, they would be worried too. And you see, what's happening currently is it seems like in the church we're okay with it. Like, yeah, pornography and all these different things, let's attack it, stop it. It's like worry, it's like, yeah, yeah, fine. We all worry about it, don't worry about it. But the Bible is clear here. With the help of God, we are to stop continue to pursue disciplining ourselves so that we aren't worrying about every single little thing that happens in our life. Because the Bible is clear that worry is a joy killer. It robs us of peace. And it's a sin that goes against what God wants for us and desires for our lives. If you study the Bible and the wisdom, the prophetic, gospels, epistles, all of these books, they all mention at one point to not be anxious or not to worry. It's profound how often it's mentioned in Scripture that we are to attack this area of our life. So, instead of worrying, we are to what? 
in everything, we are to pray. In this passage, he wants us to pray in these four ways, okay? So he mentions four different things here. He mentions prayer, and it's kind of the broadest word for communication with God, or supplication, which is a sincere sharing of personal needs and problems. Thanksgiving, it could be an attitude as well as a specific prayer, a heart of gratitude for all that God has done for us in the past, and then requests, specific petitions, rather than vague and hazy generalities. I'm going to read verse 6 one more time. It says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. So when the temptation of worry starts to come into your mind, you need to not give in to it, but you need to take all those concerns to God immediately in prayer. This week, uh, it's Mother's Day, but my mom is gone, actually. She's returning soon. I think she maybe flew in last night. But she was gone all week because she went to China for um, a business trip. And then she had to stop by Korea because it's the first time that she got to visit since my grandfather, her father, passed away earlier this year. And so, you know, my mom is getting a little older and she's getting a little weak. And so, you know, to be honest, as I was preparing the sermon, uh, I had thoughts about my mom. And naturally, I started to kind of worry a little bit, right, about her health, about how she was going to do with, you know, all the emotions of just kind of visiting family and all that. And um, So the thought here is instead of me sitting in my room thinking and thinking like, oh, I hope she's doing okay, I hope she... The idea is anytime a thought enters my mind to say, look, oh, I wonder how my mom is doing, to immediately take those concerns to God in prayer. Does that make sense? So you might have the temptation to worry. But see, if you engage in it, then that's where sin happens. But if you let it enter in, and then you all of a sudden say, I'm going to take it to God, because ultimately, God is in control. So I need to take every concern or worry that starts to enter into my mind to God. And let's just be honest. I mean, worrying, what does it do, right? Matthew 6, 27 says, In which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? So the whole thought here is that worry is a fruitless activity. It adds nothing to our lives. And it actually, it does a negative thing. Because I was doing some research, and someone, don't quote me on this because I'm not some doctor, but seriously, they said, I heard recently that over 100 diseases can be directly attributed to anxiety or worry. And so it doesn't add anything to our lives. So when the temptation comes, you send it to prayer. To not worry, to worry less, and to pray more. There was a man named Joseph Scriven, and um, he was a man that found peace through prayer in his life. This man, uh, in the 1840s, he fell in love in Ireland, and the night before he was about to get married, his uh, fiancée drowned. And so it really shook him, but he was a man of faith. He tried to get over that. He moved to Canada. He fell in love again. But then they were due to be married, and this young, man, young woman suddenly fell ill to pneumonia, and then she passed away. And so instead of trying to get married again, he said, all right, it's too painful. I'm going to just give my life to God. And he did that. As he was serving, he found out that his mom was deathly ill. So on her deathbed, he wrote a letter to send to his mother to encourage her. And it became one of the most famous hymns that we know. And it's a hymn, I don't know if you guys know it, it's uh, 
What a friend we have in Jesus. And later on, uh, what ended up happening is on his deathbed, his friend came, found this letter, and then put music to it, because I guess he wasn't musical, right? Because it was supposed to be a poem. And then this is what came to be. I want to read some of the lyrics to you. It says this. I was going to sing it, but I don't want to break the mood, okay? <laughs> all right? So I don't, I don't want to make it all awkward. But look at these words. It's, it's just so profoundly biblical. It says this. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. He goes on. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Amen? This is a man that knew pain. This is a man that went through some of the depths of some of the most sorrowful moments that life can hang. And because of Scripture, because of his understanding of God and the powerful tool of prayer in his life, it's not about worry, it's about prayer and recognizing how wonderful and available our God is. So, verse 7, we get to the promise. I want to spend some time here. It says this, and the peace of God. If we do those two things, right? If we worry less, pray more, the promise is, and the peace of God. Not the peace of this world, but the peace of God which surpasses understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I want to spend some time on that first part, peace of God. John 14, 27 tells us this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So, this is not peace that's found in the world. What the scriptures are telling us is that there is a peace that we find in God that cannot be found anywhere else. Cannot be found, and this is nothing against counseling or psychiatrists or psychologists. They're all great, and I've referred people there. But you can't find peace there that you can find in God. That the God and the peace that he provides for us, because he's the prince of peace, the scriptures tell us, that that amount of peace which surpasses all understanding is only found in God. And then he says that that sort of peace will guard. And that word is powerful because it's a military term which refers to the sentry's responsibility to protect a camp or castle. So with that sort of intensity and protection and guardedness, the peace of God will guard your, and scriptures mention two things here, that the peace of God will guard your what? your hearts, and your minds. You know what's interesting about that? The heart and the mind that we all have, it's our internal things, isn't it? So the promise here is not anything physical. 
It says nothing about our physical bodies. It says nothing about our circumstances. It's not, well, worry less, pray more, and then what? All of a sudden, everything else will work out. You'll be healthy. Your parents will be healthy. No. That's not the promise. The promise is, even though externally things don't look right, internally you'll be sound. Amen? That's the peace that we have in God. This is why when you meet certain people that are going through tremendously difficult things, but they are clinging on to God internally, even though externally it looks horrible, internally there is peace. That is what's available in our God. Um, this is why in John 16, you know, Jesus is about to leave. And he just taught two, three chapters worth of amazing truths to his disciples to prepare them so as he leaves, they'll be ready to take on the duties and the responses he's called them to. And one of the last things he says before he prays for them in 17, he says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. You see, in the world, you have tribulation. So externally, things will be rough. But in me, internally, there is peace. You see, uh, let me just be real. And let me just speak to all of you here. Some of you guys right now, externally, it's just crazy. It's not working out. It's chaotic. It's fragmented. You can complain to God because there are some legitimate things that are happening in your life that's really difficult. God's word, the promise is he is there. He cares. He loves you. And a peace is available to you if you would just turn to him. Um, I wanted to share this story. Do you guys know who Trent Dilfer is? Anyone? He was a quarterback, won the Super Bowl, and so you guys don't know, really have to know who he is, but he's actually a strong believer. And so I wanted to share his story. I know it's Mother's Day, and so this could be a little emotional because he's going to be talking about how he lost his son. But overall, the, the idea here is externally, things get tough, but we can have peace internally. So take a look. You know, I, I, I was watching that before, and I, I'm just thinking to myself, well, what is one of the most horrible things that I can experience externally? To lose a child or to lose a loved one. And I want you to know something. I think sometimes we talk about the Bible, and, and you know, it's like, yes, yeah, whoop-de-doo. Yeah, I think I know it, I understand it. But I want you to know something. There are going to be moments in your life where externally, it's so crazy. And I'm going to tell you right now that in God, peace is available. And you need to start living life in a way where we worry less, take it upon ourselves, and to just pray and seek our God who cares and loves us so much. I pray that whatever you're going through now, whatever it is, Stop trying so hard on your own. Stop carrying the burden for so long. Go to God and start praying. And have him bring that peace in your heart that is not possible without him. That's my prayer for you. Um, as we close, I'm going to invite uh, actually all the kids back in and